0: Principal Matters Podcast, episode 219. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about Reflections on Pause, Breathe, and Flourish Part 2 with my co-host and friend, Jen Schwanke. Jen Schwanke is the principal of Indian Run Elementary and the author of two books, You're the Principal, Now What? and The Principal Reboot, Eight Ways to Revitalize Your School Leadership, available at ASCD or at Amazon.com. Jen Schwanke, welcome back to Principal Matters. It's so great to see you. You know, this recording is going to be coming out after an election, but we're recording it before then. So, you know this is kind of weird. It's like a time capsule we, where we don't know when the sun comes up tomorrow, what version of America we will exactly. see. But you know what I've been reminding myself of, um, if you're listening to this and, and you're in a version of America you don't like, I've been reminding myself of Jen yesterday. I was thinking about you because I knew we were going to connect. <laughs> and I was just thinking about how much I enjoy the fact that you like laughter <laughs> and and like to have fun and and even though you may or may not be experiencing a stressful moment listening to this podcast, and I have really no idea what it'll be like after when this comes out, um, there's there's still, the sun will come up tomorrow. The sun will go down tomorrow. And a hundred years from now, people are not going to be judging you and me, Jen, on just this one day in our lives, um, or just this last week in our lives, but they're going to be looking back Um, hopefully our loved ones will have some memories of us that are much bigger than the moment that we're living in. So I don't know. It's just helpful for me sometimes to keep that perspective in mind.
1: It is helpful that things are just so um, unreal right now Mm -hmm. in in a lot of ways. And so when this episode airs, we will know what to do with that day and the next day and the next day. We will just take one day at a time. You know, that's that's one of the things I have said to my staff throughout this past six, seven, eight months is all we have to do is today. That's it. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. But I'm so glad to be back, Will, because last week when we recorded, I grabbed the microphone from you and I got to ask you some questions about your work, about your writing. Uh, we, we focused a lot on your most recent book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish, Living Your Best Life as an Educator. And then I also want to give a shout out to your other two books, Principle Matters and Messaging Matters, which which listeners can find um, on Amazon as well. But I have more questions for you. And I, yeah. I think it would be fun to start with... The actual books that I just referenced. Sure. And we'll go a little bit deeper here in a minute. But people always ask me, How did you write a book? How do you capture your thinking in a book format? So tell your listeners about the writing process and, and the, um, prof- the professional channeling of the things you know and have learned.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Jen. Again, that's not a question I think I've been asked that directly before. So, um, it, you know, the writing process is different for every author. And and so I know mine may not be one that is yours or someone else's, but Mm -hmm. this is just the way it's worked for me. I began writing the content for my first book while I was still a practicing principal and the content for my second book when I was still a practicing principal. That second book actually published at the exact same time I was transitioning to this new position that I have as a director for our state principals association and the work that I do with principal matters as an LLC. And so this third book was the first time that I've actually written one, not as a practicing principal at the same time, but really the format for all three was very similar every single week. I've since 2013, I guess I, I sit down and I think about the lessons, the stories, the meaningful moments of my week that I would like to share. And it is almost like a like my blog is almost like a a journal or this podcast has almost become like an audio journal of that, of that journey for me. And so I've, um, I have written some piece of content or shared some piece of content now for gosh, seven years. And sometimes that's 500 words. Sometimes it's a thousand words or 1500 words, but because I've made a commitment to every week writing something, I've been able to go back to that same content over time and look for themes, pull those together and place those into the content that's become my book. So for me, that's been a helpful way to consistently commit to writing every single week. But then I go back later and begin to pull that content back out and look at it in terms of concepts or themes that I would like to share. So in principal matters, for instance, I was sharing a lot of content in those early years of just the how to's of our job. So that book was very practical, just ways that you can lead teams or ways that you can prepare for the beginning of school or ways that you can create key responsibility areas among your staff. The second book was more the idea of how to enhance communication with your teachers and your students and your community members, because I had become um, well-practiced in communication through my own work with with writing, but also in my school community in messaging. And then, of course, the third book we talked about last episode, um, the ideas that I had for that is people kept asking me, principals especially, how do I focus on my own self-growth? So for me, the The craft of writing is is a weekly commitment that I can go back later and use as the beginning, the origin for what I can later begin to unpack for for potential chapters or concepts.
1: I think the reason I find that so inspiring, Will, is... How many times do you think to yourself or does somebody say to you, oh, you should write these down, you should write this down. And you just don't because you get busy and you get tired, but your your writing process really speaks to the commitment that's needed. To capture all the learning and the growth and the day-to-day um, nuances of being a principal. And you know, I do, I do encourage your readers to do that, even if it's a sentence or two at the end of a long day. You know, what did you learn mm-hmm. today? Or, or what was it that really stumped you today? And then to look back on those can be really, really insightful, validating, humorous, um, mm-hmm. enlightening, and and you know, a, a journal or, to in, a principal. Or
0: embarrassing, because sometimes embarrassing. I sometimes I listen back to old episodes episodes or I'll read something I wrote five years ago. I'm like, Oh man, I can't believe I said that. Yes. Um, but, but you're right, Jen. And you know, for me it's become, um, you know, because I did that through blogging and maybe you do that by writing a journal. Maybe you're listening to this and you um, and you do that by the things you post on social media, but you track that as, as a way to to, to keep up with your own learning. But yeah, it, I mean, to, I think I've told you this before too, but there were times, even while I was still a practicing principal, when I would run into a crisis and I would think, oh my gosh, this reminds me of of eight months ago when this si- similar situation happened. And I would literally go to my blog and open it up to eight mm-hmm. months ago and read what I wrote then, and go, okay, I need to do these five things right. because, because I need to do these five things right now because <laughs>
1: because you were smart back then because right? <laughs> yeah because I, but also because I took time to
0: write it down exactly. five, that back then so I wouldn't forget. And you know, my wife told me recently. Um, I hope she you know, we talked last time about being vulnerable. So I'll share something vulnerable about her and then later get permission. So I don't think (laughs) she won't
1: mind, but, but
0: sometimes my wife was sharing with a friend recently that sometimes when she struggles with, um, being really low emotionally, that one of the techniques that she learned about a year ago was she's, she's written herself a letter to Missy where she'll Mm -hmm. say to herself, "Here are some things that you need to remind yourself of today. You know, um, go for a walk. Um, listen to music you enjoy, call a friend and let them know this is the situation. And she's kind of got this list of things to remind herself that she writes when she's in the place where she's feeling really good. Right. So that when she's in that low moment, she can read it and remind herself, oh, this is the steps I need to take to get out of, to climb back out of this moment. And so I think that school leaders can take time, whatever that reflection looks like, whether it's writing, or recording i don't know how how do you capture that but you, but if you're not taking time to somehow like grab those moments and hold on to them somewhere then you may be missing out on an opportunity to teach yourself some lessons that could help you down the road
1: i think missy's onto something because the in terms of a principal role because You know, this job is very cyclical and there are very, very dark, cold times and then there's wonderful times, too. And I have always tried just mentally within my own, um, you know, thinking and reflection when things get really hard, I try to will myself and self-talk through, you know, this, it's not always like this. It will get better. This job is a cycle, but how powerful would it be to write those down and reach for the, you know, the notebook or the notes on the smartphone or whatever, to see that I wrote them down at a time of a clear head and a clear mind and a clear heart, and then be able to pull them back as a tangible reminder that things will be okay. Because that's really what it's about—is you need some reassurance and some comfort that things are going to be okay.
0: Mm, that's good.
1: So I—I'm going to tell a quick story. I had kind of a kick in the gut about a month ago. I had—I'm um, going to tell the story really quick, and then it's going to lead to a question for you. I—I I, I had. Come, I had gone on a run and I passed my school. It was, you know, 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And I saw a teacher who I know comes to work very early on Sunday mornings just to do an hour or two of work while her family still sleeps. I know this teacher very well. And she finds that time to be so balancing for her. She doesn't miss anything at home. She gets everything all set. She feels great. Then Monday she comes in and she's ready. So I took a picture of this. I thought it was a gorgeous picture, by the way. I thought it was very artful. And it was the school was dark except for this one window the light was on and I tweeted it. It was Subsequently retweeted, and I was shredded on social media for um, what what I was accused of is perpetuating toxic positivity. That this clearly was a teacher who was unhealthy, and I was asking this teacher to do um, things out of out of what they should have done, and so on. I mean, you can imagine how far south it went, and how quickly. And then other people in my defending my honor jumped in and tried to say, no, 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 that's not what she meant. She actually knows this teacher. It was a way to compliment. So the whole thing went south. And And I was devastated. Mm. I was hurt so badly because I've often thought of myself as a positive leader. And upon further reflection, I see what, what the criticism was, and I don't disagree with it. But- it was the first time I had to really reckon with my own relentless positivity. I've always been a positive person. And I've always said, you know, we can do this. It's okay. We can do, it. and it it feels authentic to me, but I understand that some people um are resistant to that. Now I want to shift to you because one of the things that, that I most admire about you will is that you are one of those rare people that genuinely is happy when good things happen to other people. You are genuinely positive. Like I've told you things before, and you've said, Jen, that's great. You're so happy. Tell me about positivity in terms of authenticity and in terms of how you build people up and, and, um, don't compete and, and, if you have to work to be that sort of person or if it's inherent within your soul, tell me a little more about yeah. that.
0: Wow, you know, Jen, um, you shared a few of the questions that we were gonna be examining today before we jumped on and, and and we didn't have a chance to discuss them. But as I glanced through, I saw that and I was like, wow, that's another, what a rich question. Um, but before we answer that, <laughs> I, I, I just wanna pause for a second and say, um, I'm so sad that, that that moment of celebration with your teacher became toxic yeah, it, because other people made it toxic. They took a right. situation where you're celebrating the um self-care this person is is creating in her own experience. and And I just want to say, um how dangerous it is, and this is for all of us, and I'm going to apply this to myself, how dangerous it is for us to apply our own personal lessons to everyone else's when we don't always know their context, their environment, their history. And, and so, and, I, and especially in social media, I see people do that exactly. a lot. And I saw that happening a lot during COVID with the question of whether schools should reopen or not. I saw people getting very adamant, very direct, and sometimes very angry about their opinions. And what I wanted to say to them was, reminder: your your um, intensity in this moment applies best to your situation. Exactly. But someone else's situation is going to probably be a little different and nuanced than yours. And you need to give them the freedom to figure out what that looks like in their own setting, in their own environment. And that complexity is something that I think we're beginning to lose in the the rapid fire that happens within social media. And it's one of the reasons, Jen, I have really backed off in the last several months of spending as much time in social media, because for us, I think back when you and I first connected, social media was the place to celebrate, to share, to just reconnect with Your professional learning community. But then somehow during the pandemic, um, and I think because of politics and and social media algorithms, because I have watched Netflix Social Dilemma. And if someone hasn't watched that, I highly recommend it. And you'll understand why our social media has begun to turn on us. Um, Because I I think sometimes um, those tools now um, can also be weapons and people use them to, to promote their own opinions. That's not answering your question, but I just had to comment on, no,
1: I just you, had no. to comment
0: on your experience. Cause that makes me so sad that, that something you've been trying to use to encourage others was weaponized. Uh, Right.
1: Well, and you let's just park there for one more moment. I think my husband calls this the culture of outrage, you know, just the the instant reaction that people have is one of anger and um, combativeness. And that, of course, wasn't my intent. But, you know, with a clear eye, I can see what why it was offensive but it was way that I hadn't considered that when I posted it. And so, like you said, the the social media has begun to turn on us in some ways and divide us. And a simple celebration can turn into something much deeper that it didn't need to be. So, um, you know, it, it's worth thinking about. I, I would like to do some study, actually, about Twitter use and social media. But that that's for a later time and date. Um, yeah, that's, let's talk
0: about so many topics we can have.
1: <laughs> I know. But
0: Let me respond to the second part of your question. Yeah, talk which about is-
1: your, your nationality. Natural and authentic positivity. And Um, if it's a natural, yeah, tell me more.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's natural, but um, at some point I began to, um, you and I have talked before about the danger of comparing you know, that there's a real danger in the comparison games and educators can be the worst because we see something just again on social media, we can see something, read something, watch something. And we're like, Ooh, I'm not doing that. Or, Oh, I should be doing that. And then instead of being motivated by like the desire for kids to be delighted in learning and, and having curious moments of discovery, we're motivated by our, our egos because we want to be like someone else. And what I've discovered is that, um, and I know this is a saying that's overused a lot of times, but all ships rise with this mm-hmm. with the tide. And so when I am when I'm experiencing life with other people and I see that they're having a moment of success, instead of using that as a moment of, of comparison, I need to make that a moment of celebration and then I need to figure out how can I advance the rising moment that they're happening so other people can rise too right. and and so and it's also selfish. Because when I'm helping you promote, Jen, the great things you're doing at your school, and that's amplifying out beyond your community, and it may even be amplifying opportunities for you to share about that, or maybe even amplifying the, the, I, the understanding that your books or content are available or whatever. I know that selfishly, because I'm letting your tide rise, and I'm, and I'm celebrating that and amplifying that too, that in some weird sense, I get to share in that moment. Right. Um, right. And I usually end up making new friends Uh and I usually end up connecting with people I hadn't connected with before. And suddenly my tide rises, my boat rises too. And so I I don't know, I just think there's this principle that, um, and, and I, I would probably say that the infancy of that understanding came through my, through my faith. I've shared this in my book too, you know, the the whole concept that I grew up with a grandfather as a farmer and that whole concept that, you know, sowing seeds and planting and cultivating gardens and all that growth that takes time is both practical and pragmatic you put it in the ground but then it's also mystical because you have to just wait for the miracle of plant growth mm-hmm. to happen without your input or saying but but what you plant is what you reap and so when i'm taking the time to celebrate encourage the success of other people i kind of see those as like emotional deposits I'm, I'm i'm planting seeds in the experiences of other people and if they flourish guess who flourishes too Right, right, I do. And so it's, so it's, so for me, the exciting part about celebrating other people is watching them flourish because I mean, that's what we're here for. I mean, right. it, we're, 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 our existence should be about the flourishing of others. Right, And if we can, and, and when you see people flourishing, instead of looking at them to compare or with resentment or envy, because sometimes those are our tendencies too, we should look at that with, um, with the eyes of like, oh, wow, what a great moment for them. How can I celebrate that moment with them and advance their flourishing? Because I'll probably flourish too.
1: There's been some studies done about envy and um, envy has a negative connotation, but there's actually a couple times kinds of envy. One is a malicious envy and that's the one we think of, but the other is a beneficial envy. And, and, you know, so none of these terms are either good or bad, Um, positivity can be toxic positivity. I'm quite sure. Um, Anxiety can provoke action or it can be debilitating. So all of these words, it really does depend what angle you come toward them with. And, and, and I think you're, your, the angle you come to positivity with is very um, uplifting and beneficial. And I, I hope that all principals can consider how helpful it can be when you rise, you, you know, you lift your tide so all ships can rise. It it's true of, of your school, of your community, of your students. If they see you lifting those those ships it's it's wonderful for yeah. everyone.
0: Well, and I I want to add something Jen that here for for principal Manners listeners cuz you you may be listening to this and, and thinking through like yeah, that that makes sense, will, but you know, sometimes I have crappy days. Oh yeah. You know, and sometimes I just need to be real about the difficult moment I just walked yeah. through. You know, I can remember one day sitting in a room with a social worker and a school counselor and a teenage girl who was being told that the foster family that she'd been living with and this was the how many other times had she lived with foster families that her latest foster family had decided this wasn't working and that she was there to sign her out of school and take her to a new shelter and then to another home. And, and just watching the, the heartbreak and the agony of that moment, that was not a good day, Jen, you know, but that's not a story that I could go down and and put in my school newsletter.
1: Right. Right. But that's, but
0: that's an experience that I, that I was heartbroken watching that student go through and then trying everything I could, in my limited power to at least be encouraging and help in a situation that I frankly could not control. So you may be listening to this today and you're like facing whatever that moment is for you. It may be the pandemic, it may be a family crisis, it may be the results of this election, it may be, um the the holidays coming up it may be a broken marriage whatever it is and i and, I, and as i was writing this book pause breathe and flourish jenna i did have some conflicting emotions with what i don't want the message of this book to be is that if you do these things your life will flourish because that's not true you and i can do all kinds of things for self care and reflection and invest in our families and our own personal health and still have horrible horrible things happen to us and still face all kinds of crises in our relationships, or our personal health, or our careers. And, um, and that because that's just life. And so I, I I don't want our positivity, I certainly don't want it to be toxic positivity. But I also want it to be positivity that's that's anchored in reality. And so my choice to celebrate others is not because I'm ignoring the negatives. Right. Exactly. It's because I want to amplify the positives more than the negatives. And this is where I think school leaders have so much power because at the end of every single day, you can choose the story you want told from your school community and you live a lot of negative and, and a lot of crisis and a lot of difficulty every single day because that's usually what takes the most emotional energy from our work. But if that's the story that we're telling at the end of every day, then everyone else is going to be pulled down, not up.
1: Right. And So
0: we somehow have to manage those situations with authenticity, and with compassion, and, and and not ignore them or pretend like they don't exist. But they can't be the only story we're telling. Because around us, when that 5% of crisis is happening, there's 95% of amazing that's happening. And we have to have eyes for both. And I just and we, think we have yeah. to have eyes to, to amplify the part that's going to help people rise, not not pull them down.
1: I'm really glad you made that distinction because, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a very positive person inherently. I think I came out of the womb that way, but boy, I have bad days. And there are days I think I I can't do this anymore. I just can't. Um, You know, I've been particularly downtrodden at some days related to COVID, you know, just the questions that come at me, the rapid fire questions I don't have answers to, the unpredictability of each day, the rumors, I heard this, I heard that. And sometimes I feel like, you know, the trunk and the woodpeckers are, are coming at me and I I just can't handle it. And and so I, I think I do make a deliberate choice not to sink into the swamp of negativity. But, but here's maybe where we talk a little bit about that zone of control or that zone of influence. There are things I cannot control and making peace with that is really empowering. If I think you know I certainly can't control what the health department says that we need to do about this, but I can't control how I message what we need to do about it. you know those yeah. are those are small distinctions, but I think they're important because negativity is certainly a part of this job. and if you deny it, then you then it's a dream world that doesn't exist, and I don't know that you could be successful.
0: yeah, and I, and that just reminds me I want to speak to something that um a listener, had sent a message just recently, and if you're listening, listener, you might recognize this message. But I think it applies to all of us. Um, a listener had sent me a, a Voxer recently, just saying, "You know, Will, I'm I'm really curious how, while managing a pandemic, which is so different than what we've had to do in the past, how do I still? How do I even focus on personal growth? Like, how do I even have time to focus on next level growth when I'm just trying to hold on?" And 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 that wasn't verbatim what was said, but as I was listening to that message, I was just, it just reminded me of like, when I go for climbs with my son or long hikes, you've been in those situations. Right. And when you're in that, when you're at the moment where you're losing, when you're high elevation, you're losing oxygen and your, and your body's beginning to run out of energy, you know, you have a different mindset in those moments than you do when you've reached the peak or when you've gotten Completely. back down. Yes. You know? And so sometimes you just need to recognize the moment that you're in. Right, and if that next level for you is just w- taking that next step, just one foot in front of the other, then just do that. Yes. Just just move forward one foot, and then move forward the next foot, and move forward the next foot. Because eventually you're going to reach a place where you can pause and reflect and flourish again. But right. that's not always going to happen when you're in the m- middle, middle of a crisis. And and I think the, the hardest part of this, Jen, is that this pandemic is so unpredictable. And and we've been since. beginning of this calendar year we've been managing something that may take us into months and months into the next calendar year or who even knows how long and so the the problem i think is is trying to figure out navigate a map that we've never had that we're we're mapping we're going places we don't have a map for and so i so there's not a quick fix answer to that but i I think the the back and forth you and i are having about positivity and and struggle i think are the real emotions that leaders face and they often face it in isolation, which is why I love right. the fact that you and I can have this conversation.
1: Well, the I love that one foot in front of the other. It is such it is so overused, but for good reason, you know, just take the next step. I remember when we got into this, you know, my district had some hard decisions to make about hybrid or return or remote. And somebody said to me, My God, what are you gonna do? And I said, Well, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go home. And I'm going to eat dinner and I'm going to go to bed. Then I'm going to get up and I'm going to brush my teeth. And I'm going to get in my car and drive to this building. And that is all I know. That is right. literally all I know. But I know brushing my teeth is in there. I know sleep is in there. You know, mm-hmm. So that's just the next step. And it doesn't have to be complex. A lot of times principals feel like they have to plan, they have to be ready. And we just can't do that now. So yeah. um, part of positivity, I think, is saying I'm going to continue. I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And it, it might involve some very basic self-care steps. but But those are the ones that can be taken.
0: Well, Jen, Schwanki, I know we need to wrap up this conversation soon, and um, I wanted to give you an opportunity. We may have some questions that we need to hold for next time, but was there anything else that of curiosity you wanted to hit before we say goodbye to our listeners?
1: No, I we need more time. Will we always need more time? I I want to talk um, maybe in a future episode about balance and how um, you have found professional um, a, a professional safe place of growth with the other things you do besides um, your the work you're paid for, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We should dig, dig into that. And so um, let's let's just get together again. Let's just yeah. I would love
0: to, and I'll just give a thirty second response <laughs> not to answer that question, but I just would say that I know that there's people out there listening to this podcast who are in places you and I have been, Jen, which is constantly looking for ways to grow professionally and personally. And I can remember when I kind of had that um, yearning to like, I want to begin teaching some of the things I'm learning. I, I would love the opportunity to someday present at conferences or or write a book and, and, and kind of yearning for that, but not knowing who to turn to right. for that kind of advice. And so I started listening to other educators who did that. And I actually heard a podcast one day or an education leader who was published and well-known nationally was asked that question, how would other people begin to do your kind of work? And his response was so disappointing, Jen, because I remember, because I was listening for that answer and he said, and his answer was basically, well, you know, this isn't for everyone. You just need to be really good at what you do. And eventually you get the opportunity. And I thought, Hmm. That is not helpful. And now that I'm on the other side, now that I'm, now you and I are kind of in places where we have opportunities sometimes to present or speak, or we've been able to write books. You know, there's a more meaningful answer to that question. And, And the more meaningful answer to that question is, if that's something that you want to do, you can. Yes, there are practical things you can start doing. So let's let's make that a future episode. I know that a lot of people
1: are craving that. that because, you know, some people when they're, they're told, you know, find balance, find a hobby, they don't want a hobby, they want to immerse themselves more in this work. And there are certainly ways to do that.
0: Well, Jen Schwanke, what a privilege to connect with you. You know, we've been videoing this today too, so I might share out a, a video version of this podcast as well. And if you are interested in that, Principal Matters listeners, um, I have a few episodes I've done that on on my YouTube channel. So I'll share that in the link that upon, that accompanies this post on my website at williamdparker.com. If you have not shared this podcast out with friends lately, please just reach out to one person and say, you need to be listening to Jen Schwanke and Will Parker and friends on Principal Matters podcast and invite them to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever they want to. And if you leave a review, that means more people are aware that this exists and they'll listen to it too. Because Jen, uh, at least last week when I looked at the numbers, we were, I think, around two, no, 480,000 downloads of Principal Matters Podcast. So I'm just so excited about hitting that 500,000, that half million, (laughs) which means that our small circle of leaders Um, around the nation and the world are consistently digesting our conversations and hopefully applying them to their their communities. Because if they do, that means that this small conversation you and I just had might be affecting a million kids today. So that gets me excited.
1: It is exciting. And what I love about being a part of it is, is neither of you nor I profess to have all the answers. What we have is perspective and experience and, and stories. So that's what we like to tell.
0: Well, Principal Matters, you have perspective and experience too. So please reach back. If you ever have questions for either Jen or me um, or any of the other guests that have been on my show, you can always reach me at will at williamdparker.com. And Jen, how can they find you?
1: They can find me at my website on jenschwanke.com.
0: All right. Well, thanks everyone for doing what matters. We'll see you next week.
1: Thanks everyone. See you soon.
0: If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.